0: You Christ followers, as we sing that song, what does it feel like? What's it feel like in there? Doesn't get any better, does it? Isn't it great? That's what we are wired for. That's what we are created for, is to worship Yahweh. Yahweh. And when we do that, when we do it corporately, it does something in here that is as deep as it gets, and it is as beautiful, and it is as rich as it gets. And it's why we come together. They say there are 7,000 people groups that can't do this. They have no idea. I love Jamie's testimony. Oh, man. For 24 years, he wandered around. And then God gave him an understanding of what God is up to. And changed everything for Jamie. And our prayer is that is true for everybody that's in here. I'll just continue to say what Jamie was saying. If you have not yet placed your faith in what Jesus has done for you, taking your place to pay for your sin upon himself that you might be forgiven, I invite you to that now. Because this is what you were made for. TJ and Karen, Afsana, Chaya, we love that you're here. Welcome back. It's great. That lots of bacon thing. (laughs) While it's appealing, there's a whole bunch of that that could be off there a little bit. I've already been asked, Randy Van Osdell. Are we gonna have lots of bacon now? Okay, that just ain't right. We're glad you guys are here. So this is Missions Month here at IBC. You've been noticing we have missionaries every week. It's been just rich. It's so good. And I invite you to the fellowship hall here afterwards to hear from the Smiths, hear more of their ministry. It's gonna be a great time in there. Next week, Harrisons and Pringles are gonna be here and they're taking over everything. They're taking over everything, so you wanna come and see. (laughs) What is God gonna do? So we thought we would take time today to really focus on what is God up to on this planet? What's he doing? And give the broad perspective, and then we'll narrow it down, is, is how we're gonna go about this. So we're going to rely on PowerPoint a bit, and so we're going to bring that on up. All right, Mary, are we good? There we are. God is on mission. From the very beginning, he has been on mission. For us as people, as humans... As we seek to organize our lives and and how do we, even in the business world, even in the church world, we organize, and there are even gurus that have their doctoral degrees in organizational structure and that kind of thing. And so we all know that organizations always have a vision statement and a mission statement, and we do too here at IBC. But have we ever wondered what God's vision statement, now God's much bigger, he doesn't need all this, but for us to understand, in our way of thinking, let's see if it works. Does God have a mission statement? Does God have a vision statement? He does. Rob read it for us. So let's look at it again. All right, okay, I get to click this thing. Excellent. He has a vision statement. And Rob read it. So a vision, let me define it, according to gurus, all right? Give me a moment, here we go. In general, a mission statement defines what an organization is currently doing, while a vision statement is basically the ultimate goal of what they'd like to accomplish, The mission is what people do in order to achieve the vision. So what is God's vision? Well, we heard it. Here it is. This is what it's going to be someday. This is the ultimate goal, and God is going to bring it to fruition After this I looked and behold a great multitude that no one could number from every nation, from all tribes and peoples and languages, standing before the throne, before the Lamb, crying out with a loud voice, salvation belongs to our God who sits on the throne and to the Lamb. We will be worshiping, even as we have been doing and continue to do this morning, But from all the earth, people will be gathered around the throne, worshiping God. What a vision. And that's why it's so inspiring. For us as people, when we have vision, it's like, what are we going for? What are we going after? What is the objective? It's like, oh, that looks great. Let's go there. So God has given us his vision. Right out of scripture, that's what we're going for. From every tribe, tongue, and nation, we will be gathered around the throne worshiping God. Well, what about His mission? How do we do that? Well, that's really what Scripture is all about, it's how God is accomplishing His vision. And it's got, so we'll just take a look at a couple of verses. John 3, 16 and 17, for God so loved the world that he gave his only son that whoever believes in him should not perish, but have eternal life. For God did not send his son into the world to condemn the world, but in order that the world might be saved through him. This is how he is accomplishing his vision. One by one, as people are coming to Christ, are placing their faith in Jesus Christ, that person then will be gathered at the throne that day. So he's accomplishing that among us. We will be there. Praise God. And I will just reiterate, if you haven't trusted in Christ, you won't be there. Scripture tells us that. And our prayer is that God will show you how much he loves you and call you to himself. That you, too, might be a part of that grand vision someday. Jesus said, I will build my church and the gates of hell will not prevail. That's another strategy. I'm going to build my church. We are the church. Part of the church around the globe with a capital C. Those who have trusted in Jesus. Way back in Genesis. Way back in Genesis when God called Abram. Before he was Abraham, he said, I will make of you a great nation, and I will bless you and make your name great so that you will be a blessing. I will bless those who bless you, and him who dishonors you I will curse, and in you all the families of the earth shall be blessed. It's just so interesting. Why would God all of a sudden appear to Abram and say, hey, Abram? I am going to bless you. I am going to bless you. <laughs> wow, God, thanks. I'll take it. I'm going to make you a great nation. And you know the verses that go on to talk about uh, your descendants will be like the stars, numbers of the stars in the sky and, and, and the sand on the seashore and all that. It will just be multiple uh, multitudes. Multitudes. I will bless you. Did you ever consider why? He says it right in this verse. He says it right in there. So that, guess what, Abram? I'm gonna, I got a purpose. I am going to bless you in order that there's a reason I'm blessing you. And he goes on to say, You will be a blessing. There's a purpose. I'm going to bless you so that you then can go be a blessing to others. And then he goes on and says that in you all the families of the earth will be blessed. Well, guess what? Here we are. Did you ever think of that? We are blessed because of Abraham. God used Abraham And now you and I have salvation, and we're sitting here at IBC in Port Angeles, Washington, United States of America, North America, worshiping Jesus, because Abraham was faithful to share the blessing with others. Got to take the perspectives class, Sue and I did, and a number of us in here were in the perspectives class this year, and many of you have taken it before. I'm telling you, it should be a requirement for everybody For everybody. Because it does such a great job spelling out what God is up to. And this is kind of the premise of the whole course. And it was a conviction to me right away. I thought, I'm in. This is great. Because this idea of receiving blessing in order to be a blessing comes home to roost when we think about it. What is the blessing? It's the gospel. It's salvation. That's the blessing. So Abraham received salvation in order that he would be an instrument of God to bring salvation to others. And the chain has not been broken to today. And guess who now owns the blessing? You do. You're sitting there with the blessing, y'all. And so am I. Now what do I do? Sit on my hiney and go, Lord, thank you. I love this blessing. Hallelujah. I'm free. I have hope. I have promise. I'm going to heaven. I can live a life of, of peace, deepest peace that there is. Hallelujah. Lord, thank you. It ain't enough. It is not enough. There is an expectation from the giver of that tremendous gift that we will pass the gift along. That we will be a blessing. As I was studying my assignments from perspectives, which were robust, I would say, my studies on it, our house, we have a little bonus room upstairs. And I have my desk right there. There's a window right here and it overlooks our neighborhood. And I love studying at that desk. As I was studying this, and the Lord was just, just hammering me. He was bringing it down going, you have known me for a long time. You have walked with me. What are you doing about your neighbors? You have the blessing. Do your neighbors have the blessing? And I go, oh, Lord. No, they don't. I know a number of our neighbors, and they don't know Jesus. As I was sitting and looking out the window at the homes in our neighborhood, the Lord brought great conviction upon my heart. I'm sitting on the blessing. I live with great hope and peace, and they don't. Shame on me if I'm not going after our neighbors so that they can be blessed. What is it that holds us back from sharing the greatest blessing on earth and the greatest blessing of all eternity? What are we afraid of? They're going to say no, thank you. If we dig into that, it is ridiculous that when people are lost and they're going to go to hell forever and we have the answer on how they can be saved from that and we don't take it to them? I go, shame on me. Because, again, this is what God is up to. He has called every one of us who know Him to bless others with the blessing that we have received. IBC is on God's mission. Our desire as a church and has been for many, many, many years is to align ourselves with God's vision and mission. And so we even have our vision statement to glorify God in all things and delight in Him. To glorify God in all things. How do we glorify God? By walking with Him. By walking in fellowship with Him. That glorifies Him. Is being obedient to him glorifying? Duh, of course. <laughs> so what does being obedient to him even look like? It means you have the blessing, go share it with somebody who does not. That is glorifying God. And so, as Pastor Aaron and I have talked a lot, and we'll continue to do so as we evaluate what we do as a church, the ministries that go on in the church, this is the first question. Does it glorify God? Is it a part of his mission? What he is up to? It must align with that. Otherwise, it's a waste of time. In fact, it's a distraction. And to delight in him... To delight in Him. That's quite an interesting phrase to have in a vision statement. I like to use the word bask, (laughs) to bask in Him. In singing that song, the songs this morning, we are basking in Him. That's what that is. Oh, Lord, you are good. Thank you for saving me. Basking. How do I continue to bask in Him? Am I basking in him when I follow my own way? Am I delighting in him then? No, I'm not. <laughs> you know, I, I, at first glance we say into delight in him feels like just kind of a, um, a passive word. I can just sit and bask. But the fact is, if, if, if my heart isn't aligned with his, I cannot delight in him. It doesn't happen. It only happens when I am aligned with him. I'm walking with him. And you know what the result of walking with God is? <laughs> it's action. It is action, you all. All through scripture, it's action. This, this Bible is full of stories of action. And the action is all about God redeeming people. And it takes action to do that. How active are you in your Christian life? If you're just all about reading the Bible and studying and getting to know Him more, it's a good start. It's a good jump off spot because we need to do that. That's important to our spiritual life. We'll grow in Him, know Him better, saturate our hearts and minds with Him. That's really important. And that's where it starts. <laughs> and then it goes from there, it launches into action. Our mission statement is to make disciples. Great commission. It's, it's redemptive, it's bringing the blessing to others. That's what that is. Therefore, go and make disciples, baptizing them in the name of the Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. By doing these things, knowing God intimately, serving one another intentionally, engaging the world eagerly. There's something interesting about those three words. They are all outside of yourself, they are all outwardly focused. How do you know God intimately? You learn about God. It's not about you're not learning about you. You're learning about God. You're studying His Word. You come to church and hear His Word preached. It's outside of yourself. Serving one another intentionally is outwardly focused. Looking out to serve one another. And then engaging the world eagerly. Obviously, engaging the world is outside. Every one of those words is outside of yourself. It is action. It is active. Seeking God in all of them is what that is. So here are the points that we want to move through this morning. Current, missiological, global realities. What is going on in the world today in the area of missions? Missions. Implications for the North American church then As we look at the realities what's what's going on globally What about the North American church What part do we play in that And then what about IBC How do we fit into that Strategic engagement We'll talk about that a little bit How do we engage then Case studies We'll not have time for that And then we'll even talk about the, the Kenya ministry trip That is coming up And we're going to end with that So let's go back to the beginning Current realities Here we go Current realities What is going on Okay, it is blue, right? On the top, is it blue? I've had somebody say it's purple. People who have color giftedness like I do aren't real sure. But it says blue right there, global north. That's the global north, and the red is the global south. Welcome to these new terms that are being used in missions today. As we look at the globe and what is taking place around the world, there has become an increased distinction between the global north and the global south. The global north, that's us, U.S., Canada, Europe, and even Australia is counted in that even though it's way down south. The global south, you can see what that is. We're going to look at a couple of the distinctions that create the global north and the global south. The first one is wealth and poverty. We have the rich north and we have the poor south. And it's a very big distinction. I'm going to not dwell on this because there's too many colors and it confuses me. <laughs> but I will just say this. The darker colors reflect wealth and the lighter colors reflect poverty, and you can see where that is, all right, Africa, India, and East Asia, over there. I love this map. It's called a cartogram. A cartographer is one who makes maps, right? This is called a cartogram, where you, you, um, the shape, or the size, excuse me, the size of the country is determined by whatever... um, Criteria that you are considering. In this case, it's wealth. All right. So every every country continent um, is sized according to wealth. Check it out. And the biggest thing that stands out is Africa. Look at Africa. A skinny little string. When Africa is such a huge continent, I don't know if you've ever seen that map that shows other countries that are inside Africa. It's unbelievable how big Africa is. And yet look at it. Poverty-wise, massive in terms of the poverty level. Look at the U.S. <laughs> There's only one word that comes to mind when I see that, and it is fat. And we are. We are wealthy in this country. God bless America. He has blessed us. It is a blessing that we have. It's nothing to be ashamed of at all. It is what God has done. Hallelujah. And there are many other areas that have not been obviously blessed in the same way. The next is um, population. Urbanization by the year 2050, 30 years from now, Lagos, Nigeria will be the biggest city in the world. 6.25 billion people will live in cities. Nine of the top ten most populated cities will be in the global south. Nine of the ten top cities in the world will be in the global south. 40% of Africa's people will live in slums. It's just too much to process, so let's move on. This is just um, by 2050, a look at population, another cartogram, uh, we won't dwell on this long, but you will notice, hey, does this have a little thing? Nah, yeah, it doesn't. Does it? Yeah, baby. That, that country right there? Come on, TJ, talk to me, man. All right, India right there, big fat thing. China. And then this countries in, in Africa, look at that one right there. Okay, swelling. Nigeria there. Swelling. That's where the populations are. Look at us. Look at us. Shrinking. Okay, let's talk about some realities that are going on. Half of the world's population is under the age of 30, (laughs) half of the people on the planet are 30 years old or younger. It's a staggering statistic. But it's only the start. We have more. China right now has more teenagers than the U.S. has people. (laughs) Isn't that something? Yeah, there are more teenagers in China than all the people in the U.S. combined. Almost 40% of India is under the age of 18. Under 18 years old. 40%. So if I had almost half of us stand up, that would represent people under 18 years old in that country? Okay, here's the fun stuff. 70% of Africa is under the age of 25. Almost 50% are under the age of 15. Seven out of 10 people in Africa is under 25 years old. Come on, put your head around that a little bit if you can. It's unreal. Seven out of 10 people in Africa is under 25. Almost half the population of Africa is 15 years old or less. That is called a young population. Filled with young people. This is another, I'll move on from this. I want to talk about this. The 414 window. I want to introduce to you. We've talked about this. I want to introduce this to you. Children are the largest... Okay, I'll stop myself. I want to go back. And I said uh, a couple criteria from the global north and the global south. Wealth, poverty was one. Demographic is the other one. Okay? Uh, Especially with population size. But children is another one. Children are the largest unreached people group. And they are the most receptive people group in every aspect of spiritual and developmental input. 85% 85% of kids who hear the gospel trust Christ. That is a rich mission field. The church's lack of understanding for the heart of God for children is one of the most heartbreaking things there is. That the church does not recognize how God's heart beats for children. Suffer, allow, let the children come unto me, Jesus said. Do not hinder them, for the kingdom of heaven is filled with such as these. Jesus loves children. We've said this before, and I will say it, I think, till I die. A church that champions children is a church that God will show favor upon. I really believe that. Because children are that near and dear to the heart of God. Children, especially those living in poverty, have no voice for themselves. They are the voiceless. And yet, in the sub, especially in the global south, look at the vast populations of children. Children and youth are the most significant untapped potential, and yet they, especially between the age of 11 and 18, are the most significant mission force in missions. (laughs) They are a mission force, our kids are. Why is that? I, I will tell you one reason I believe it's true. I've said it before, because children aren't as afraid to share the blessing with others as we are. You challenge a child to go tell their friends about Jesus, they're going to do it. And if the other child is between the age of 4 and 14, there's an 85% chance that child is going to come to Christ. (laughs) Strategically, it's a no-brainer. We should be engaging our children, empowering and equipping our children to get it done. And we will see God do fantastic, amazing things for his glory. Children and youth have too often been marginalized in response to the great commission of making disciples. They're just a side thing. When we have an opportunity to send a family to the mission field, we need to do it. Children open doors Children love the playing field. If you're in another land, another culture, guess what? They have children too. They see that you have children too, and children get together and they play. Our daughter, Christy, was just over a year old when we went to the field. We had an outreach church plant ministry going on downriver from us, and there was a little girl her age named Alisi, Alice, Alisi and they became good friends. Even though Christy couldn't speak Portuguese so very well at all, they became good friends. When Christy was a senior in high school applying to colleges, she wrote about Alisi in her essays, and it got her massive scholarships. (laughs) Praise God. But the thing is, it left an indelible print in our daughter's soul because she was burdened about her friend Alisi. And I remember her paper. She talked about her scratching in the dirt. They were playing in the dirt. And Christy's passion was to see kids like Alice have opportunities not only to hear the gospel, but to get a great education. And so forth. That's a child. The church must learn from history. When we lost the children, we eventually lost the church. Thus, we are investing in the future of the church. And I would say, this is from this website, 4to14window.com. I would venture to say, not only are they the future, they're the present of the church. Uh, We've said this many times already too. Children who have trusted Christ have the Holy Spirit, just like you and I do. Not a junior Holy Spirit, the Holy Spirit. And God will use them Powerfully, as he will use adults powerfully for his glory. Praise him. It's great. We must not ignore the children. We must champion the children. It is critical. Some estimate that 70% of the world's Bible-believing Christians, as opposed to nominal or cultural Christians, we're talking true Christ followers, now live in the majority world or the global south. Seven out of ten believers, Christ followers, live in the global south, not in North America anymore. Our numbers are shrinking or theirs are really rapidly growing. Having been out there, they are growing like crazy because God is doing amazing things. So the center of gravity of Christianity on planet earth is now in the global south. Whereas we're used to it being in the global north. And so that means there's a major shift coming on. Before I uh, get to that, I want to just say this about losing the children. Something I learned in the perspectives course is over the course of history, when the blessing of the gospel came to a people group, it might have been a town, or it might have been a city, it might have been a country, and it was lit up by the gospel. The future of that place depended on what they did with the gospel. The places that sat on the gospel, the light died out. The places that took the gospel and they went out to share the gospel, they thrived. It's recorded in history. It's a historical fact. May that not be true of us, ever. That we don't sit on the blessing. And as we look at these strategies and the realities, we go, okay, Lord, this is a great way for me to engage and not sit on the blessing. Children, we're going to go after children. We have VBS coming up here in a couple weeks. In a a week. And we're already busting the doors wide open on this thing. 200 and how many, Sue? How many? 230, 230 Kids are already registered. That's unheard of. Over a hundred people who are going to help. This place is going to be going crazy, and I love it. We may have to cap the numbers. The discussions are going, on. we're going to have too many people. We can't handle all these kids. I'm going, okay, Lord, what do we do with that? Turn kids away? Oh, I hope not. I hope not. But we may have to because we don't have enough adults or volunteers. Maybe not enough space, I don't know. I don't know all the ins and outs. But may we be after it and looking for every opportunity to share Christ, share the blessing with others, even kids. One of the best overall answers to the question of where non-Western leaders see the church, the Global South leaders, how they see the church in the West fitting in is, it's all about relationships. Relationships. Involvement in the global church will call us back to building genuine, trusting, interdependent relationships. Working alongside, working with global leaders is what that is talking about. And this, you all, is a major shift that has been taking place now for a little while. So, what are the implications for us here in North America? I'm going to go a little faster. This is a critical statement. It is, to me, the turning point, it's the pivot. We went from inviting leaders in the majority world to join us in fulfilling our vision. In other words, what it has been up to in recent years has been we have mission organizations. We go out and do church planting, tribal people uh, all over the world. And we ask those that are out there to join us. Hey, here's how we see God fulfilling the commission. Come join us. That's what it has been. The shift is on to asking majority world leaders if we had anything to offer them that could help them fulfill their vision. Let's talk about Pastor Anthony for a minute. He is one of these. And Doris. They are ones. They are who we're talking about. Now, God has set it up pretty sweetly (laughs) because we've had Pastor Anthony with us now for 16 years or something like that. So he is one of us, but he's still a Liberian. And where is he right now? He's in Liberia with a vision to fulfill the Great Commission through a training center over there. Here is a majority world leader, Pastor Anthony, asking IBC, would you please be involved with fulfilling the Great Commission with me? Here is my vision. So Pastor Aaron and I are planning to go over in January and and do some stuff, see what's going on. And we have some other people in mind too, Bruce, so hang, just be ready. Pastor Francis in Kenya has us to be a part of his vision for fulfilling the Great Commission. We'll talk about that a little bit. In short, we need to learn how to participate from a platform of servanthood rather than power. I tell you what, in our culture, we are used to power and authority and leadership. And we charge ahead. That's part of our culture. That's why we are a leading nation in the world today. (laughs) Praise God for that. Well, it's all shifting. I believe that strong leaders, healthy leaders, also know how to be followers. I love Lee Iacocca's statement a long time ago. I still use it all the time. Lead, follow, or get out of the way. I actually use it when I'm driving. (laughs) Right, Rob? Wherever you are. Lead, follow, or get out of the way, and there's something that is a major shift going on where it's time for us to follow and not necessarily lead. Uh, Paul Borthwick was commenting on this pastor, Moodyu in Kenya at at, uh, Urbana back in 06, Here's what Sweat said about this pastor. He called us together to grow as the global body of Christ, characterized by, so now this is a Kenyan pastor speaking, interdependence rather than independence and individualism. Okay, that's a shift for us North Americans, isn't it? We're so individualistic. We're so independent. And I've been out there in meetings with these global leaders and you have to bite your tongue. They're talking about how we're going to be doing this. <laughs> and you're going, mm. and you could give suggestions, it's great. But you are working alongside them and you're following their lead. And when they say, hey, Tom, how do you guys do it back in the States? Here's how we do it. We're going to see Pastor Francis and help him plant this church here in a couple of weeks, and we're, we're going to do door-to-door evangelism, and as we've been practicing, we came up with this idea, why don't we have invitations to the new church and take those? That will be a great way to start the conversation. Hey, Pastor Francis Kataka is going to be plant, starting a brand new church right over there. We are here to invite you to that. So I wrote Pastor Francis, hey, Pastor Francis, what do you think about this idea? He goes, I think it's excellent I have not seen it done but I think it's great let's work on that so instead of saying hey Pastor Francis we know how we're going to do this you take a back seat we're coming the great American hope is arriving (laughs) no but when you work there's a different culture there there's a different world view there And, and you have to submit to that It's not always easy. So while this is theoretical, when you begin doing it, it becomes practical and real very quickly. Reciprocity by which all members contribute to the benefit of the others. And here's the bottom line, the message of the gospel remains the same. As we work with Pastor Francis, that man is clear on the gospel. It's a beautiful thing. Key approaches, humility and servanthood. Humility, it's what God has called us to anyways. But here's a great way, as we work with those in the Global South, a great way to work with them is saturated with humility, with servanthood. So what is our role as a North American church? Is it the North American church is passing the baton? Okay, Global South, it's all yours now, we're done. Or the North American church as leader in an ever-growing parade... Sorry, Doc, this thing just shifted. (laughs) Is the North American church still the leader, but just other people are raising up and getting active? Or is it the majority world and North American church, they are as an interdependent team, and that's what it is. That's how we see this. This is what is going on. I love this prayer. I love this prayer. And may it be our prayer Lord, I pray that you will make us willing to be footnotes in the lives of others. Help us to be content, knowing that we may not have a great global impact, but that we can contribute to something, to the life of someone, especially our non-Western world brothers and sisters, who might use our witness, our words, and our lives to affect others for your kingdom, make us footnotes in the story of your kingdom, amen. We don't seek to be great. Lord, just use us. To be a footnote would be an honor. How about IBC? Very fast. We are, oh my word, it's late. All right, here we go. (laughs) Okay, you warned me, didn't you, Pastor Aaron? You warned me. (laughs) Our vision and mission here at IBC has not changed. It's really about unreached people groups, church planning, the 1040 window, and so forth. Our methods and strategies. Are you with me? Come on now. All right. All right. (laughs) Just read it. (laughs) This thing right here, pioneering to partnering, that's the shift. Historically, we sent out missionaries to go do church planting. TJ and Karen Smith went to India to do church planting. Look what's happening now. They're going to now be in Dubai, and it already began with your ministry in India, equipping pastors to do the ministry. And now you're going to Dubai, you're doing the same thing. You're going out to Dubai to be an equipper, and we get to send you and be a part of that. There are so many ministries, as we look at what's going on, everyone that we, all the missionaries that we have had, This month, and we'll have next week, are all a part of now, uh, not pioneering, but partnering. They're equipping national leaders from the global south. Nope. Nope. Okay. Existing strategy in our policy, church planting. Okay, this is what we do. Some added strategies, though, is to equip national leaders. These are practical ways that we can be a part of what God God is doing around the globe in missions. Equipping national leaders as we're requested to do that. Shoulder to shoulder, the Swahili, bega qua bega, love that. True partnering, what does each bring to the table? What does IBC bring to the table? The national church, some added strategies, okay? We continue with COTN, with ZimZam Global, with Embrace Liberia. These organizations exist really to equip national leaders is what that is. We wanna go deeper and not broader, okay, amen, hallelujah. Nope, not doing those, (laughs) told ya. And I just wanna end with this. (laughs) (laughs) We've ta- <laughs> it's the express run, I'm sorry. We've talked about the Kenya trip, the, this team that's going out. Here's why we're going out. Because Pastor Francis, in Kenya, has written us a letter to IBC, and the letter is in your bulletin. It's... In the note, sermon notes on the back side, that is the letter from Pastor Francis inviting IBC to help him fulfill his vision for the Great Commission in Kenya. And what's IBC doing? We said, okay, before the Lord, we're going to trust God will provide the people and the finances to get it done. And to be a part with you in that. And here are the things that we're going to be doing. It's in that letter. You can read that letter. Take it with you. And I've explained some of the things that we're going to do. The first worship service will be out there and so forth. I want to just to close with this passage. This is, and you know it well, if I can find it. Therefore, if anyone is in Christ, he is a new creation. The old has passed away. Behold, the new has come. We implore you on behalf of Christ, be reconciled to God. For our sake, he made him to be sin, who knew no sin, so that in him we might become the righteousness of God. It is active. We are called to be a blessing when we have received the blessing. May that be our challenge even this week, to share the blessing of the salvation that you have in Christ with others. And that's what we want to do as a church in Kenya.